Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. For those of you that are new to the podcast, I'm a financial advisor in St. Louis, Missouri with clients in almost 20 different states. So I am constantly having conversations with clients, helping them out financially, whatever's going on in their life, whether it's estate planning, helping mom and dad, whether it's retirement planning, maybe it's discussing their social security and the ins and outs of that and how that works. Maybe it's questions about their 401ks, investment accounts, or even Medicare. And I don't think I'm smarter or better than anybody else out there. There's a lot of different financial podcasts, but I am licensed to be a fiduciary certified financial planner. So I have all the credentials behind my name. And I think that gives me at least some weight and some credibility. But I've had people say, well, what about this podcast? What about this person that's claiming they know everything about finance? And I don't think anybody knows everything about financial planning, but what I'll say is a lot of people or most people that claim to be these financial experts, they actually have no credentials behind their name. They're not a certified financial planner. They're not a fiduciary. They're not even a professional financial advisor. That's not even their real profession. They could be a plumber or something like that. So kind of word of caution, be careful who you listen to. Just because you hear somebody give some advice or recommendations doesn't mean that you have to take it to heart and implement it. And you kind of got to look at the source of who it's coming from. For example, someone may call me and say, hey, I got this letter from my company. The pension is offering to be bought out and I'm getting an offer of this lump sum. What do you think? And I say, well, send me the letter. I've probably seen about 100 just like it and I'd like to see how it compares. There's a lot of things out there that you can search on the internet. For example, you can Google search a lot of information. But that information is not necessarily experience and wisdom. So a lot of times it's prudent to get advice from a professional who's seen this dozens and dozens of times before. I'll go back to my plumber example. I'm kind of a do-it-yourself plumber, right? So if I could go on YouTube, watch videos on the internet. But you know what? If I called a plumber, and I have a great plumber that lives close to me, when I have him over, he gets it done in like a tenth of the time because he's been doing it for years and years and years, and it's nothing new to him. He has all that wisdom and experience from years of practice. So that's kind of my hope for the podcast is to continue to give these examples and give these situations. And hopefully you all can learn from the conversations that I'm already having with current clients and current folks that I talk to every day. On today's episode, I wanted to go just, I have been getting so many questions and I love getting questions. If you have a question to submit to the podcast, it's retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. That's retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the bottom of the website, it'll say, ask Greg a question. You can submit your question there. You can email it to me. You can even call me. I've had people call me. A guy called me from Colorado this past week just with questions, wanted to talk. I'm happy. I'm not one of those people that's going to charge you by the hour to talk about your questions and your situation. There's some advisors that will but I'm not one of them. I really, I truly like helping people because if not me, who will? Who will help you? So check out my website. You can submit your question. It's really easy. Retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. 
let's talk about some of the questions that we're going to cover this episode. One of them, it was from a listener who said they were kind of intimidated and didn't really know how advisors get paid. They had heard horror stories from a neighbor that said, oh, advisors get paid on commissions and all they're going to do is take a 10% commission and you'll never hear from them again. So we're going to talk about that. That's one of the questions. Another one, a question, I mean, it's not about specifically retirement planning. It's more financial planning for your mom and dad. I guess your mom and dad's retirement planning. It's legacy planning or estate planning. How do you help out mom or dad so everything doesn't end up in probate court? And there's, you know, taxes and fees and charges and all that mess. But how do you help out mom or dad while still giving them the control and the independence that they're looking for. So that's question number two. Question number three was from a listener that had heard a radio ad that was talking about something that an investment that gives them market-like returns with no downside, with no fees. And she had some questions, how could that possibly be? And so we're gonna cover that in question number three. Question number four, someone wanted to know about Roth IRAs. They seem very, very confusing. And in fact, their 401k doesn't even offer a Roth IRA. Why do I speak so highly of Roth IRAs? What's all the buzz about? So that's question number four. So stick with us on the Retirement Made Easy podcast. We're going to hit all four of these questions today. And again, listeners, Send your questions, submit your questions to retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. While you're there, there's a bunch of free resources I make available, such as my retirement secret sauce, my couple's guide to a dream retirement that I paid thousands of dollars to my business coach and my life coach to help me put that together. So that's a cool piece, as well as my 2021 tax planning guide which is a huge, fantastic summary that'll help you kind of learn the tax situation in 2021. Check those out. They're all available for free right on the website. Let's jump into these questions on today's episode. Okay, first question was from a listener that said, how do advisors get paid? They were looking at interviewing advisors, but kind of wanted to know, okay, do they charge you a big commission to get into investment products. Their neighbor had said as high as 10% commissions and to beware, like whole life policies that their neighbor bought, I guess, had a really high commission. But this listener wanted to know, how do advisors get paid? How do you pay someone for their financial advice and their financial planning? So this is a great question, and it really depends on which advisor you go see. Some advisors will only make money by selling investment products or offering investment products where they make a commission. So there are some advisors out there that are truly transactional and commission-based. So how that works is it's kind of like a real estate agent. You purchase an investment product and they make a commission. It's anywhere from a couple percent to a lot of percent. For me personally, I think there's kind of a conflict of interest there because if an advisor only gets paid based on you buying or selling different investment products, that seems to be a conflict of interest in my mind. And so if the advisor calls you up and says, hey, we need to make a switch from investment product A to investment product B, you might think to yourself, or I would, is this really in my best interest or does this advisor need a new set of tires on his car? 
and he or she is just looking to earn an extra commission. So that's one way, the commission-based way where an advisor can make money, you know, can earn a living. For me personally, the only commissions that we earn are based on term life insurance or long-term care insurance, something like that. Insurance-based, it's insurance coverage. It pays commissions to the advisor. That's how they pay out commissions there. The other way, which is I do here and there, seldomly, I would say, is hourly planning fee. So, you know, for example, I charge $200 an hour for some of the financial planning that I do for people, very similar to an attorney. There are a lot of advisors out there that do not charge hourly. In fact, their company won't even allow them to charge hourly. So again, what I'm getting at here is some advisors will have different methods of their compensation than others. It's a very fair and great question to ask as you're interviewing advisors. The other way, and it's becoming more and more popular, this is the way I'm primarily compensated, is an advisory fee arrangement. So it's just a flat annual fee that comes out of the investment accounts and it's charged, it's broken up quarterly so it doesn't come out all at once or all at the end. It's kind of pay as you go throughout the year. And if you're ever dissatisfied, you can stop paying that fee and move elsewhere and work with another advisor. So that advisory fee for most fiduciary advisors, that's kind of the way this industry is headed. As a rule of thumb, as far as an advisory fee percentage, it's somewhere between one to one and a half percent. If you're working with a big, big net worth, it's probably less than one percent. So I hope that helps. Those are the three ways, again, commissions or commission-based compensation, hourly fee, just like an attorney, they charge you by the hour, right? And then an advisory fee management fee that would come out of your investment accounts. So not to correct this listener, but I am not personally commission-based with, again, anything besides like long-term care or term insurance, and a 10% commission is just so far-fetched that, you know, for anything I do. So that's just not even uh, in the ballpark. So not to say that there are some other investments that are sold by commission-based people that you would pay a 10% commission. I am just not aware of any. So I hope that helps. I know that was a little long-winded, so I apologize. The next question is about proper and prudent planning for mom and dad when it comes to estate planning, making sure mom and dad have all their ducks in a row so we don't end up as kids or beneficiaries in the probate court. And I'll kind of interject this. I can't tell you how many clients that I have that they spend their preliminary retirement years or even heading into retirement helping care for mom and dad and helping them make decisions and pay their bills and all that kind of stuff. So what I'm getting at is I know we all, some of us have dreams and aspirations of what what we're going to do in retirement. And a lot of times that's put on the back burner because mom and dad need so much help in those first years of retirement. But this question was more so kind of question, what are the things that we can do to make sure mom and dad are set up properly? We can help with decisions. So I'm going to kind of just kind of briefly go over some of the steps that you can take without crossing the line and making mom and dad feel uncomfortable that that you're taken over and they're losing control and losing their dignity and independence. So, but some of the documents that you want to make sure mom and dad have. Number 1, you want to make sure that they have a healthcare directive or a healthcare power of attorney. 
So in the event that they can no longer make decisions for themselves for healthcare, maybe like my grandfather, he fell and broke his hip. Well, luckily, my grandmother was in great shape. She was his healthcare power of attorney, and she was able to tell the doctor, yes, let's go ahead and do surgery for him. All kinds of different examples. So mom and dad both need a healthcare directive, and you'll have multiple successor people that are in charge. So in the event that my grandmother was not of the ability or wasn't around to help make the decisions for my grandfather, we had my uncle, who's actually a doctor, and he could step in and say, oh, yes, we, we wanted to have surgery. It makes sense. He could talk to the doctors about that. Next, you'll want to have a power of attorney, a financial power of attorney, durable power of attorney. And what that means is if mom and dad need help paying the bills or maybe help filing their tax return. As power of attorney for mom and dad, you would be able to write checks on their behalf. You would sign as your name and then POA at the end and help them out financially. Obviously, the person that you're wanting to assign to be your power of attorney, you want to trust them, right? That they're going to do the right thing and make these decisions financially that are in your best interest. And and of course, if you trust them, you love them, they're going to do the right thing. The next part to the question was about how we can, down the road, when mom or dad were, if they were to pass away, how do we avoid probate and that whole mess? And if I can give you any advice, you want to make sure and get your ducks in a row to make sure you avoid the probate court because it can be a mess, especially with COVID and the fees and expenses. It's not good if you want to avoid the probate courts by all means. So how do you do that? Well, it's going to depend on the asset. So like on a vehicle, vehicles, they pass by title. So you'll want to make sure that the vehicle is assigned a TOD, transfer on death. That form actually avoids probate and it can go to your beneficiaries. Maybe it's a a son or daughter that needed the car. Or you can actually do a TOD to a trust if you wanted to. But that TOD form would make sure that property, that vehicle, goes to someone outside of probate, bypasses probate. Same with your brokerage accounts. Those can be TOD, transfer on death. And whoever you put, if you put your two kids on there to transfer on death to them, guess what? That avoids probate as well. IRAs, 401ks, Roth IRAs, those retirement accounts, You can put beneficiary designations, and those will bypass probate. They go right to your two children in this example or whoever you want to inherit those retirement accounts. Think about your house. Your house, you can either do what's called a beneficiary deed, or you could put it in the name of the trust. You could set up a revocable trust, which is very common. So the trust is another way if you didn't want to do the payable on death on all the bank accounts, TOD on the brokerage accounts, you can make the trust, you can have a like a mom and dad family revocable trust own all of your assets besides the retirement accounts. That's another way. And those trusts will avoid probate. So to kind of recap, those are the ways that you can avoid probate. There's a one more way for the bank accounts that might work or maybe real estate. And that's to put your son or daughter or beneficiary's name on that asset. A lot of attorneys don't love this method because they've been around long enough to see where somebody gets rotten and spends through mom or dad's money before mom and dad passes away. In other words, if you put cousin Bill on as mom or dad's on bank account, 
So if, if mom and dad have a bank account and you add cousin Bill's name to it because you think, oh, cousin Bill's going to be honest and trustworthy and he's going to help him pay their bills, by putting cousin Bill's name on that bank account, you give him the ability. I mean, it's essentially his. That asset is his. So he could write checks out of that checking account and spend through a lot of that money. And most of the time, 99 times out of 100, like I said, you're going to put someone that's trustworthy. But there's always that one dirty, rotten apple out there that money does something to people. So putting someone's name on the bank accounts, the the real estate, it's a good way to do it because when mom or dad passes away, that property belongs to cousin Bill in that example, then they would just disperse the assets to the other individuals who mom and dad wanted the money to go to. But again, just some words of caution there. Last question that I want to jump into is somebody heard an ad on the radio that there was an investment product out there that had market-like returns with no risk, meaning you couldn't lose a dime, and there were no fees. And so what I'll say is what they're talking about, it's it's a fixed indexed annuity. They range from a commitment of five to I've seen as long as 15 years. So meaning you got to lock your money up from five to 15 years in something like this. And if it sounds too good to be true, more than likely it is. I mean, just think about that. How can something give you market-like returns with no risk, you can't lose a penny, and no fees? Well, how are they making money? Just think about it for a second. These companies, insurance companies, they don't lose, right? Insurance companies are kind of like the casino. The house always wins. They may lose here and there, but the majority of the time, they've got this worked out. So what these are, yeah, it's based on an index and you may get a percentage of the return of the index, but you're not going to get anywhere near what you would over a long, long period of time if you just be in the index and pay a little bit of a fee. And lastly, what I'll say to these, I've had so many people that have come to me that own these and they're completely inappropriate and they these people are sick of them. They think they've really gotten sold on something and they didn't know what it was and they didn't realize how they had how long they had to keep it. So I would be very, very cautious with something that sounds too good to be true and run the other way. And the other thing about these, I'm not to belittle insurance agents because they do some great work, but the licenses and designations that you need as an advisor to be offering these to the public, all you have to have is an insurance license to offer that indexed annuity. So really, there's a lot of people that are doing these commercials. That's the only thing they can offer, that and life insurance. And that's pretty much it. So think about that. They don't even have a full arrow of quivers that they can even offer you. They have apples to sell. And if you're looking for oranges, it's got to be an apple. So keep that in mind. Last question, and I know I'm going quick here, but this was somebody said, why do I tout Roth IRAs so much on this podcast? And their Roth IRA, their 401k doesn't even have the Roth option. So why do I speak so highly of Roth IRAs? Well, first off, not all 401ks do have the Roth option. They are becoming more and more common, and I'm seeing companies now offer the Roth. And I hope it's kind of across the country that it becomes a law that every 401k has to offer that Roth option because I'm so passionately an advocate for Roth IRAs. So Roth IRAs, imagine something you can put money into, like a birdcage. You can invest in whatever you want, So you can put any bird in the birdcage. You can put parrots, you can put pigeons, whatever it is. 
And so those are the investments. The birds are the investments. You could do mutual funds or stocks or ETFs, whatever. Bonds, heaven forbid, or CDs even. Whatever investment you want in that Roth IRA, and it would grow tax-free forever. There is nothing better than growth, but I can tell you, I can promise you, there's nothing better than tax-free growth. Think about that, tax-free growth for the rest of your life. So we always look at, there's three different types of accounts you're gonna have. You're gonna have the ones like an IRA or 401k. We call those tax always, taxed always, meaning if you take a withdrawal out of them, they are always going to be taxable. There are other different accounts, and it may be a non-retirement account, like a brokerage account. We call those taxed sometimes. And then there's a third type of account, which is our absolute favorite, and that's the taxed never accounts. Roth IRAs are never taxed. Once you put the money inside of a Roth IRA, just like our birdcage, the IRS is that cat on the outside that's trying to get in the birdcage. The birdcage is there. It's the Roth. It's the shell, the cage to protect the birds from the IRS getting those taxes. Think about it like this. If you could have all your retirement in, if you had the choice, you could have it in one of those three buckets, taxed always, like a 401k or IRA, taxed sometimes, which is the brokerage non-retirement account, and then taxed never, any logical person would want to have the majority in the taxed never Roth IRA bucket. Just imagine your accounts can never be taxed ever again. How great is that? You've already paid taxes on this money once. Why keep paying it? Get the money in the Roth IRAs if you're allowed and let that tax-free growth just take off and build for you over time. I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful. If you have questions, you know the website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. 